All right, one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Here we go in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from over here to over there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you want to be part of the program, then you can always give me a call on the listener hotline. Uh, the number 303-832-0217. Love to hear your comments about the uh, show, about anything else. Uh, and then I can put you here on the show. Coming up on the show in just a bit, I'm going to be going to uh, IndyCar. I'm speaking to IndyCar driver Graham Rahal. I'm sure you recognize that name. He's the son of legendary Indy racer Bobby Rahal. And Graham was going to be here on the show, of course, to talk about racing, but also... And almost more importantly, to talk about tires. So this week, from and it's it's it right now is in between June 28th and July 4th. It is National Tire Safety Week. <laughs> every every week has a week, right? Uh, well, this week has National Tire Safety Week, and there's going to be lots and lots of people on the roads for the fourth. Uh, and so this is the perfect time to make sure that you actually have good tires before you head out on a long road trip or even a short trip just to the store. Really, the tires are, are pretty important. Uh, and I see so many people. It, that's the one thing I do when I'm, when I'm picking up my uh, daughter from elementary school and I'm walking along uh, the line of cars to go up to the front door to pick her up because uh, I like to go up to the front door and wait for her, uh, is I just look at people's tires. Uh, and to see how they are, and if they're good tires, bad tires, what kind of tires they are, and uh, I, I don't know, I get some kind of weird, simple pleasure out of that. Uh, but we'll get some more details about uh, tires and, and racing from Graham Rahal uh, coming up in just a bit. Uh, so I am right now in between baton trips. Uh, that's why it's been a, a little bit between shows here, th thus the delay in recording these. Uh, that and I was also very sick after the last show, and I basically couldn't talk. Uh, maybe you even still hear some raspiness in my voice. That was from this uh, horrible. It's, it's so funny. I was I was in the basement for basically 15 months and I never got sick. And then I leave the basement for a week and boom, I get sick. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's the same way. And actually, I've seen a lot of other people uh, now coming down with just regular colds. And we actually uh, Nicole Brady, who who has uh, co-hosted this show with me, uh, did a story the other day about how. Uh, she was talking to some doctor who thinks that there's going to be a lot more sick people, especially sick kids, this uh, fall, this year, this school year, uh, because we all haven't really been hanging out with each other uh, without the masks and and uh, in close proximity. So yeah, we could see more of these sicknesses. Anyway, uh, I we left for uh, uh, Enid, Oklahoma. That's where we were, Enid, Oklahoma. For the Central Region Baton Twirling Competition. And where is Enid, Oklahoma, you ask? Uh, it's about an hour and a half northwest of Oklahoma City. Some of the team from Colorado drove to Enid. It's about a nine or so hour drive. And that is, that's over my limit. Uh, about six hours is my limit. Six, maybe seven. Because we drove to Hutchinson, Kansas for a... Uh, a regional baton competition, and I think it was about seven hours, and that was right at and a bit above my limit uh, for a at least a really quick turnaround road trip. Um, because you have to go there, and then you're there for a couple of days, and then you motor on back. So it's not like you're hanging out for a week, and then and then you have some time 
to enjoy where you are, or it's not just a, there's a difference between a road trip where you actually, the, the trip is fun and, and you stop along the way and you have some time built in. So it's not just all drive, all drive, all drive, and then you stop and then you do your thing. And then you drive, 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 drive back after just a couple of days. Uh, that is not my idea of a good time. So that, 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 that was just a little bit too far for me to drive for just a quick weekend thing. Uh, so we flew from Denver to Oklahoma City and then drove the 90 minutes northwest uh, of Oklahoma City up to Enid. And it, it was a fine town. It's actually an interesting drive, pretty straight, pretty flat. Um, the arena, the Stride Center, it was actually really nice. Uh, and th- there's really not a whole lot to Enid. It's it's a nice little town. If they didn't have the Air Force Base, I think it would be a lot smaller of a little town. Uh, of course, we had to wear masks inside the airport because the federal uh, guidelines, the federal regulations uh, through the TSA and the FAA are still in place. So you still have to wear your mask for, for basically anything because uh, those mandates remain. So it's any form of public transportation. It, it's a plane or an airport or a bus or a train, train stations, a, basically any form of public transportation, you still have to wear your masks. Yeah, and it would actually be interesting for me to figure out if they are uh, making, because uh, we have a public transit here in Denver, uh, the regional transportation district, the RTD buses, if they're if the bus drivers are making people wear the masks on the bus, yeah, I, I maybe I should go check that out uh, because technically you're supposed to be wearing your masks on any tra- public transport, and that includes public transport in your city. Um, and it, I guess it would be the up up to the bus driver to uh, enforce that. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people, and I'm sure on the buses too, uh, who who are a little unruly about wearing the masks. They, they, they are done with the masks. And the FAA and the TSA are reporting numerous incidents at their checkpoints, in the airports, in the airplanes. And the FAA is still pretty serious about people not behaving badly because they don't want people to behave badly. And so they're not going to tolerate actions like this. And they, and they keep saying that they're going to pursue criminal charges and civil penalties up to the maximum allowed by law. And get this. The, the FAA sent out this tweet saying unruly passenger numbers just since January 1st of this year, of 2021, they have 3,201 unruly reports, 2,429 people refusing to wear a mask report, 491 investigations initiated with 61 cases with penalties. Uh, hashtag fly smart. <laughs> and they attached a picture of a big green Ram truck, pickup truck, saying you could have spent $35,000 on a brand new truck, but instead you're paying a fine because you punched a flight attendant. Obviously, that's never a good idea. So I, uh, I, I didn't, I did see a couple of people, one blatantly just standing in the uh, arrivals area waiting for somebody, uh, didn't have their mask on, didn't really care about it, uh, was just standing there, just barefaced. It was. It's a little bit weird when you see everybody else have, have their stuff on and then somebody not doing it. it it's kind of like the opposite if you're in a grocery store now uh, where you see somebody wearing their mask, which is fine. I, I, I don't care. You can wear your mask if you want. Um, or you don't have to. It's up to you. But it's, it's, it was interesting uh, to see somebody just plain-faced right there in the airport. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of incidents this month that have uh, gone to law enforcement for unruly passengers. One was in Louisville. Uh, I guess I could say Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, one was here in Denver. 
the Louisville one uh, was a passenger. Alleged, well, I said Louisville because there's the town in Denver, you know, outside of Denver, is called Louisville, even though, yes, the Kentucky town is Louisville. All right. So anyway, the <laughs> one up in Louisville uh, passenger allegedly assaulted a couple of TSA officers while attempting to uh, breach the uh, exit lane. And that person is sta- is facing criminal charges for criminal trespass, fleeing and evading police and assault and resisting arrest. And, and then there was a guy here in Denver and he was going to the T he was about to go through the x-ray machine and he apparently was pretty mad for some reason over this whole x-ray thing. And he started getting into a fight and yelling at the TSA officers. And then they, they all attacked each other. And then this, this guy allegedly bit two of the TSA officers that were trying to subdue him, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the struggle. <laughs> uh, they eventually did get the handcuffs on this guy. Uh, and both passengers are, are facing pretty big civil penalties now, of almost $14,000 and maybe even some jail time. So we'll see how that uh, works out. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's best if you just deal with it, wear your mask. Everybody is on edge. It's summertime. It gets hot, especially in the Northwest right now. Um, and you know, our flight crew, we flew Southwest Airlines and the flight crew was actually um, a pretty decent, but they kept making announcement after announcement saying, look, we don't want to wear masks either, but this is the law right now. This is a federal deal. We are on a federal transport, basically. I mean, we're on, yes, private company, but we're governed by the federal government, and this is what they say we have to do. So please don't get mad at us for making you wear your mask. Get mad at somebody else. We're just having to remind you because we don't want to see you get kicked off the plane. Uh, maybe a good way to handle it since they are taking the brunt of all the complaints by passengers. Naturally it's, it's not the federal government that is on these planes. That's taking the brunt of all the complaints. It, it's the, it's the flight attendants and all the people at the gate and all the people that are working for the airlines and working inside these airports. They're the ones that are, are getting a barrage on the TSA officers uh, by people who don't want to wear the mask anymore, but it's, it's in place until early September. And that's probably, my guess, it's probably because of summer air travel right after Labor Day. That's when it lifts, and that's when we see fewer people traveling uh, for vacation because school's back in, and so uh, that's when the mask mandate is supposed to come off. We'll see if it extends. I I don't know either way which way it would go, but um, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to follow that. Um, but I thought it was an interesting way for this for these uh, flight crew to to handle the situation is basically take it off their shoulders, say, hey, look, it's not us, it's somebody else. Um, actually, one of our reporters, CB Cotton, she talked to a former flight attendant for a story. Uh, hey, well, let me play this. Why didn't I play this? Uh, she was talking about unruly passengers. So listen to this. Uh, listen to this audio. Then we had somebody hyperventilating, so we landed the plane. Rita Henry has many stories after working for decades as a flight attendant. Just ask her how many years she spent in the sky. Only 45. 
Now that she's retired, also ask her about the challenges flight attendants face. Sounds like they've gotten worse. Starting with an incident that happened this month. On June 17th, police say Jeffrey Hires from Thornton punched and choked a Southwest flight attendant on the concourse train inside DIA. Prior to that, in March, a man was charged federally, accused of not wearing a mask, striking a flight attendant's arm, then urinating on the plane. I just can't believe they have the guts to do that, to attack a flight attendant when they know they're not going to get away with it. What's happened here in Denver? Part of a nationwide trend, the FAA has reported rising rates of unruly passengers. This video from May 23rd shows a Southwest passenger assaulting a flight attendant. The attendant lost two teeth after being hit. But in some cases, the misbehavior is happening before travelers even make it to the tarmac. A TSA spokesperson tells Denver 7, last week on June 14th at DIA, a passenger allegedly bit two TSA agents. The agency says this incident, one of more than 69 physical assaults on TSA employees that have happened since March of last year across the country. How does anybody get the nerve to do that? I mean, it's amazing, amazing to me. I don't get it. But the TSA wants to remind travelers they can't get away with it. On Thursday, the agency saying they may pursue criminal charges and a civil penalty up to the maximum allowable by law. And in under a month, federal air marshals will lead flight crew self-defense training. Ask Henry how she feels about the tumultuous travelers and she'll tell you. You're signing your own death warrant. <laughs> You're going to be in jail. You're not getting out of it. CB Cotton, Denver 7. All right, si signing your, your own death warrant might be a little bit of strong language uh, from that flight attendant. I don't think you're signing your death warrant, uh, but yeah, you are probably going to end up going to jail. And yes, you're probably going to end up having some hefty fines and it won't be a fun experience for you. But um, uh, yeah, your death warrant is a little bit strong. Um, I'll see if anything is better when we head to Florida and Daytona Beach uh, for the USTA Nationals. That's the United States Twirling Association for all of you folks who are outside of twirling. Uh, but yeah, we are going to be in Daytona Beach. Uh, you know, I haven't been to Daytona since, what, freshman year of college spring break, I think. And I'm sure a lot has changed in the 30-something years since then. So I am sure Ron John's surf shop is still there. And uh, I think you still can drive on the beach. Not sure if I want to take the rental car on the beach. Uh, but hey, why not? It's a rental car and I'll have plenty of insurance. So they will get, we'll cover it. Uh, and I'm sure maybe the kids will have a, a good time uh, driving on the beach. We'll see how that goes. Because we've never driven on the... Well, I've never taken them driving on the beach, so... Uh, may, might be a good experience for them. Uh, the on-again, on off-again, on-again infrastructure bill is uh, on-again for now. Uh, they're still trying to work it out. The eight-year, what, $1.2 trillion uh, plan to rebuild the infrastructure of the nation. And most of that money would go to true infrastructure items. And I think that's what the debate really is about, how much to spend and what they're going to spend it on. Because they really want to spend it, I think most of uh, one side wants to spend it just on roads and bridges and, and rail and, and the power grid and, and really the true things of infrastructure. And other people want to spend it on uh, solar panels and, and uh, station and you know the, the charging stations and uh, all those kind of things, which will be an issue for us in the next 
what, 15 to 20 to 25 years as we see more EV cars out there and and uh, and how you're if you're going to be able to drive them across country. The one reason I love the Volt is I can keep filling it up with gas and the generator in the front charges it up. Uh, makes electricity. <laughs> it reminds me of that video I saw where some guy had a little Honda generator in his, in his Tesla <laughs> just for the same thing so he could generate some power and then keep driving the Tesla if he needed to. Um, but, you know, how, how, how it goes and, and, and where it goes and, and what's going to be spent, uh, it's still an unknown. But usually there's a, there's a formula uh, for how much money goes to what infrastructure thing. So uh, let's say rail or airports, and, and, and there's a formula for how much would go to those things and to roads or to the bridges. And and uh, th- there's another formula then to determine, let's say you, you pick airports, how much of that money, that pool goes to which project or which state. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll, we don't know really how much money is actually going to go to what state or what project uh, and what parts of the infrastructure it's really it's well it's overdue i mean we obviously we know that our our roads and our our infrastructure with especially with the power grid really needs to be improved um and so got to keep moving so we got to spend some money to keep on moving right so we'll see where all that goes uh before the pandemic when people were still riding on buses and trains the technique most people would use especially in some pretty crowded areas to keep someone out of the seat next to you was to put, you know, a backpack or your papers or something, you know, something, you know, something right now that you have your shopping bag or your purse, uh, in the seat next to you. It, it was, it was basically an unofficial way of, of reserving that seat. So it would remain unoccupied. I think more people now are trying to stay away from each other, but if you have to sit next to somebody that you don't know, then, then, uh, and the public transit isn't super crowded right now anyway. Uh, but I think you still have some room, but eventually we're going to start to see more crowds get together. And, and what was normally considered as, as I guess being a jerk is now something that the Swedish public transportation service is promoting. They made available these, these bags. They look like a shopping bag and, and you take it, well, let's say you can get on the bus or, or the train, you, you take this shopping bag thing and you put it on the seat next to you so no one's going to sit there, thus providing you with some social distance. But it's not you necessarily, I mean, yes, you're doing it, but it's not your bag that you're putting in the seat next to you. It's it's one of their bags that they're providing to you. They call these bags the no-douche bags. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's exactly what they call it. And they come in two bright color combinations, and it has a striped pattern that, that makes them resemble caution tape. So, so you know it's not just somebody's shopping bag or, or, uh, or, or their purse or, or their backpack. The first edition of the 1,000 tote bags were distributed for free at their central station in Sweden. And the CEO of the transit company said, usually bags on the seat are something that we don't promote. But during the pandemic and and in times like this, where there's still people getting sick, it's actually an act of consideration. (laughs) The simple reminder is another way of encouraging individuals to take personal responsibility with this bag. We want to, in an unexpected way, remind our travelers that we need to continue to work with social distancing. We hope and believe that this initiative can help make travel safer. So apart from this initiative, public transport operators 
they're they're busy encouraging travel, uh, mostly during the off-peak hours. If they can get people to work at different times or or use transit at different times in Europe, it's Europe travel on uh, in in public travel it, transit is is different than the United States. United States, the the people here, we, we like to have our cars, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we tend to, except in, in something super densely populated like New York City, Manhattan, uh, we tend to default to our cars. You have more people willing to use public transit in Europe over the United States. It's just a way of life. And the number of buses and trains and trams on the road has been increasing in Europe. Eh, I guess in the United States as well. Uh, but really, it, they've been trying to increase those numbers so they can minimize uh, the crowding that might be on these trains, especially as more people are getting back to work. Um, and they're also trying to still ask people to spread your distance because there are still uh, some people getting sick with the COVID and they want to keep people safe. And so with fewer people wearing masks and, and the uh, variant still out there, they're trying to do anything they can to keep people safe and and uh, keep them apart from each other. So as time goes by, you know, people tend to forget uh, what what they were up against and, and crowding will become an increasing problem uh, on trains, on buses and on the streets. As I see a lot more traffic around Metro Denver uh, and really around the country than, than I have seen in a long time as um, some of the old traffic jams that we used to have before the pandemic are uh, back again. Um, as traffic continues to get closer and closer, I, th- I think we're really close in a lot of areas to, uh, basically pre pandemic levels. Um, yeah, but it only, uh, only time will tell how many people will still be working from home. Uh, I know our company brought one wave back now. Another wave is coming here in July, another in, uh, September. So we have more waves of people coming back and I'm sure it's the same way in, in a lot of different companies. And speaking of crowding, Uh, There's plenty of people, uh, as I was just talking about, that are getting back to work at the office, and and it's it's also going to be busy during the Independence Day holiday weekend on the roads. There is a new survey from Bridgestone that finds more than half of Americans plan to travel only by car this summer to reach their vacation destinations, and AAA thinks that this could be one of the busiest Fourth of July holiday weeks and weekends on the roads in, in either a long time or ever. It's also National Tire Safety Week, so that makes this the perfect time to make sure that your tires are road ready. So joining me now to talk about tire safety and racing is IndyCar racer Graham Rahal. Graham has been racing open-wheel cars since he was a teenager. He won his first race as a 19-year-old at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. He knows what tire performance is and how critical it is to driving a car going over 200 miles an hour while the average family car obviously doesn't go nearly that fast, even though I've tried a couple of times. Uh, tires are an essential part of every safe driving experience, something that Graham knows well as a husband and a father. Graham, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right, we're going to talk racing here in just a minute. But first, I was talking to our local AAA guy the other day, and he was telling me that they're expecting this to be one of the busiest 4th of July holidays on the roads uh, in years, maybe ever. Uh, Out of all the parts of your car that should be working well before a road trip, uh, really, how important are the tires? Well, you're you're pretty knowledgeable if you've already been researching that, because 
tires are the single most important aspect of the car because whether it's you or you, your wife, your family, in my case, I have a seven month old. Uh, the one thing that connects you to the earth and to the road is your tires. So if your tires aren't in good condition, then you're unsafe. It's just that simple. So a lot of people don't think about that. They're going to jump in their car. They're going to go out on the road. So we're here to try to raise awareness and make sure, because as you said, we do anticipate a lot of people on the road uh, for the 4th of July. I've already been seeing it throughout this summer. Um, tons of people traveling after COVID in the last 18 months. A lot of people uh, you know, thought about where they may go and, and vehicle travel cars you know, has definitely gone, uh, gone through the roof as far as the amount of people using them uh, once again. And so tire safety is key. You drive on smooth tires on the racetrack, but that isn't what you want on the regular roads, right? That's right. That's right. Actually, uh, yeah, we use slick tires in racing, so our tires have no grooves. Uh, when we do get rain in alternate conditions, we do have rain tires, which uh, are more similar to a street car when you look at it. Uh, it has tread and everything else. But you're right. You certainly want to make sure you're not driving on slicks in the street. So there are three things that we always think about when it comes to tire safety. Inflate, rotate, and evaluate. So inflate is always to make sure that your tires are up to the manufacturer's suggested pressures. Um, you should be checking your tire pressures once a month. If you haven't been doing that, definitely make sure you check them before you go out on the road uh, for your long uh, road trip. That information can be found in the driver's side door panel. Um, uh, in that door jam, you'll see a sticker. That sticker will give you the suggested pressure. Follow that and make sure your tires are there. When you think rotate, tires wear unevenly. Front to rear, side to side. If the alignment of your car is off slightly, it's going to wear the tires. You want to make sure you're getting those rotated. Every five to 7,000 miles, you should be doing that. And I'd imagine a lot of people that are listening to this are probably thinking, man, I haven't even thought about that in the last five years. Well, make sure you do. Make sure you guys get those checked because you want to make sure that the wear uh, is happening as evenly as possible or they need to be, if they need to be replaced, they get replaced. And the last is uh, to evaluate those tires. Look at them. Make sure that they look good. Make sure that there's no spots on them. Check with the old penny test. Uh, penny test is you take it, put Abe Lincoln's head down uh, in the tread. If there's less, if his whole head is showing, then you have too little tread. And it's like you just said, then you're effectively driving on a slick tire. If you get caught in the rain, you're going to be in deep trouble. So you're going to need new tires. I'm speaking with IndyCar driver, Graham Rahal, talking about tire safety. And we'll be talking about racing, Indy racing in just a minute. Well, out here in Colorado, there are people who have two sets of tires sometimes. Some people do. Uh, they have the summer tires and they have the winter tires. And sometimes they have the winter tires with the studs on them. Um, you, you live in Indiana. You, you can get your fair share of snow and ice there in the Midwest. Do you think that studded tires are overkill? It depends on the severity of where you're at. Um, you know, obviously, everybody's going to have different opinions when it comes to that. In my opinion, you know, a studded snow tire is very different than, you know, in all season. I mean, a studded tire is a very, you know, purpose-driven. In the mountains in Colorado, not a bad idea. But the technology in tires and the advancement and the performance, um, you know, of an all-season is a lot better than it used to be. I think even when I was a kid, it, it, the, the evolution has been tremendous. So, uh, for me, it depends on where you're going to go. If I lived in Colorado, I certainly would have two sets of tires. I would have a snow tire because uh, being up in the mountain. You're going to see extreme conditions that even in the Midwest, you know, we may see a day or two, but we're not going to see it for multiple months. Well, when you take the family car out to the grocery store or just, let's say, just rolling down I-645 or I-69, do you ever think this is way more dangerous than when I'm on the track? It is more dangerous out there. There's way more distracted drivers. And 
People, I mean, we're here talking about tire safety, right? There's a lot of people who don't think about these things and then go out on the road. You know, I've seen people spin out in the heavy rain. I remember one time vividly uh, being in uh, north of Lexington, Kentucky, you know, and a guy in the pouring rain just spun out right in front of me because, his, you know, his tires weren't in good condition. So it is it is more dangerous, I think, being on the street than the race car sometimes. But uh, obviously, we're here to try to make that better and make sure people are prepared. As I said, it's near and dear to my heart. I have a seven month old or seven and a half month old now. And, you know, to make sure that Harlan gets from A to B uh, safely each and every time is important to make sure I'm not distracted is important. And, uh, you know, it changes when you have, you know, kids in your life. I mean, clearly on my own, I want to be safe, but then you've got a wife, baby, uh, takes it all to a different level. I'm speaking with IndyCar driver Graham Rahal. We're talking about tire safety. We're talking about Indy racing. And you, you just mentioned your wife, Courtney, uh, and your baby, um, but your, your wife was also a racer, but a different kind, a drag racer. Uh, I met my wife in broadcasting, in the broadcasting business, and, and I think it helps our relationship being in the same profession. Do you think you needed someone like her and, and maybe her famous racing father, you obviously have one too, to understand what it's like to be behind the wheel of a race car? Well, it definitely helps. Um, with my wife too, you know, we're both from similar families, right? And it's not just racing, but also, you know, family dynamics where our dads were, were legends of their sport. And so uh, that's certainly, it's, it is a different dynamic. We live a little bit of a different lifestyle than most people because of that. The pressure that we feel to perform and to succeed is different than most people would have. So, you know, yes, it's a positive with Courtney that she had that, she understood that dynamic, um, you know, understood the pressures that I may, uh, you know, live under and understood the fact that I had to travel so much, you know, not only to go racing for work, but to do sponsor appearances and everything else. You know, nobody else I had ever dated or been around understood that, got that concept. It is very, uh, you know, foreign to most people, but at least to the two of us, you know, it's definitely something we connected on. Do either of you have more fear? I guess that's not the right word, but uh, maybe more respect for what you do on the racetrack, knowing that you have a young child now. Does it does it take out some of the uh, aggressiveness out of you for your sport right now? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I try not to be overly aggressive on the on the public streets. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, some people do drive me nuts. Though I will tell you, left lane cruisers, get out of the yeah. left lane. You don't belong there. If you're going to go slow, get in the right lane and go slow. Do your thing. Uh, but uh, luckily, some some states are actually passing laws. I know in Indiana nowadays. If you're a left lane cruiser, you can get a ticket. So, you know, yes, there are things that drive me nuts. But as far as aggression, I certainly have a place and a time, uh, you know, to uh, in, a, in, a, in a car that's way better than a street car, you know, to get my speed and my adrenaline rush out. So I try to separate those two things. But but is it then easy for you to go back to the race course and, and then throw in the aggressiveness? I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, so, so you can so you can try to win the race. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There's, I'm, I'm pretty good at separating those two things, for sure. My guest is IndyCar driver Graham Rahal. You might remember him as the son of legendary IndyCar driver Bobby Rahal. Uh, we're talking about tire safety, and we're talking about Indy racing. All right, I, I was reading a story the other day. I think it was in the USA Today, that there is a group of Indy racers who love to snack during the race, and they love to snack now on these on the Incrustable sandwiches while they're racing. Are are you a fan? Are do you, are you a fan of the Incrustables? Are you eating them? Actually, I I uh, you know that okay. So there's a group of of, of foreign guys, okay. a Spanish guy, and a and a kid from New Zealand that just discovered Uncrustables. 
I mean, I'm from here. I've known Uncrustables for 20 years since they were first invented. Uh, and uh, so, you know, to me, yes, they're they're amazing. And I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Uncrustables is a Smuckers thing, uh, right. which is an Ohio company as well. So, you know, see Ohio boy, it all comes back home to Ohio. But for sure, all of a sudden, you know, these guys have gone crazy on social media. You know, they're discovering fried chicken right now. They're <laughs> discovering Uncrustables and, you know, all of these American things that I guess they don't have in New Zealand or Spain. Well, it's got to be tough to try to eat a taco or a burger while you're racing, right? (laughs) I don't think you'd want to do that. Um, (laughs) You don't want lettuce in the cockpit. I mean, that would just not be that would that would just be messy. Do you eat while you're racing? Uh, While we're racing? No, there's no time, unfortunately. Uh, No, no space, no time uh, to to be able to do that. But, uh, you know, before the race, it is important to to get some good nutrition in. And honestly, there are guys who eat, you know, peanut butter sandwiches with bananas and stuff like that. I don't know. You know, for me, it's pretty basic. I, I like to eat pretty normal stuff. Uh, uh, it's it, just nothing that, as I just said, you know, like a, I'm not going to eat a taco before the race because the chances <laughs> are my stomach's going to be a little on fire when I'm done with yeah. that, with all the Cholula I might put on there. So for me, uh, you know, pretty basic pasta and, and something that's going to be neutral. My grandfather, Jim Robbins, back in the 50s and 60s, he actually owned race cars, Indy cars. And my uh, his son, my uncle, Marshall Robbins, used to do some racing, too, at Indy and then doing some road racing, too. And and he always told, told me that the, the toughest thing that he ever did to deal with on the race course was trying to change the cassette in the uh, radio that he had in his race car uh, <laughs> while he was going down the straightaways in the, in the racetrack. <laughs> He's doing a different type of racing than I'm doing. Because uh, for me, I don't even have... The only radio I have is for the, for the pit crew to talk to me and give me more information and uh, talk to me more than sometimes I'd like them to be able to talk to me. But uh, it, uh, that, that's all that we've got. I certainly don't have any music playing in there. I wish I did, uh, but, but I don't. But I would think that certain music would make you more, maybe more calm or, or maybe more in tune to the track while you're driving. Yeah. I mean, you know, you put a little Eminem on in there, you might have some anger <laughs> issues. Uh, you got to calm yourself down a little bit. So, uh, well, I, I always got that same feeling listening to Gordon Lightfoot. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> is that before my time? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Go ask your dad about it. <laughs> I'm speaking with the IndyCar driver, Graham Rahal. We're talking about racing and tires. And when you're driving on the regular road, uh, as we were just talking about about tires, I, I know you have to be really in tune when you're on the racetrack about how your car, uh, your car is performing, especially when it comes to your tires. But when you're driving your regular car, can you feel it when your tires or the whole car just isn't performing quite right? Yeah, for sure I can. Um, as I said before, when we were talking about uh, rotating your tires and stuff, if your alignment's off, you're going to feel it. If the car's pulling one way or another, when you hit the brakes, the car moves one way or another. You know That means that there's something wrong, and ultimately that's going to be affecting your tires and their performance and in their wear. So you know, for sure, uh, those, are, those are things that you can feel. If in the rain that you feel like it's really slippery or when you touch the brake pedal, it wants to lock up or things like that, Obviously, cars say with analog brakes, there's a lot of functions that help the driver. But those are all signs that, that you need to check your tread. You need to make sure that the tire, uh, you know, is safe. So, you know, for me, clearly pretty in tune with you know, with tires. I mean, in racing in the, in the race car, 
I'm monitoring tire temperatures inside the car. I see tire pressures inside, inside the car, uh, surface temperature, all of these things that I can select through on my dash. So I'm, you know, you, you know tires not as well as maybe the Firestone engineers we work with, but you know tires well enough and, and how to maximize them. So on the street, I'm aware. But those are things that people should pay attention to as well. So, um, and there's a lot more information. If you go to bridgestoneamericas.com forward slash tire safety, there's a lot more information on there, tips and tricks for people to follow, to be able to understand and, and signs that you should pay attention to, uh, to make sure your, your car and your tires are performing well. All right, quickly in the last few seconds that we uh, have with you, uh, talk about the season on the track. You've done pretty well this season, and you're going for your first win in your home state, right? Yeah, so uh, first win of the year, I'm hoping. Uh, you know, we're at home now, mid-Ohio. Uh, I'm, I'm from Columbus originally, so we're back home, mid-Ohio, this weekend, July 4th. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, uh, we've got Nashville coming up, City Streets, first, uh, first uh, street race ever in Nashville, which would be cool, uh, Indy Grand Prix too. St. Louis, you know, we've got some great races coming up. We finish on a Western swing, Portland, Laguna Seca, which is in Monterey and then Long Beach Grand Prix. So we're excited to, uh, to get this, uh, the second half of the year going, uh, try to get a win here. We've been close a lot this year, so hopefully we'll get it done. And it should be a lot cooler on the West coast when you get out there for, uh, those races. Definitely. Well, Graham Ray Hall, thank you so much for being here. Uh, appreciate all your time and all your info on tires and racing here on the world famous driving your crazy podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Graham Ray Hall. Um, I, I, maybe I shouldn't have said, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, maybe like, um, Michael Bolton or, uh, <laughs> um, Kenny G it's that smooth jazz or it's that, I don't know. It's that kind of music that makes me, uh, that makes me crazy. Uh, it's not the, you know, Metallica or, or heavy rock music or, or, uh, or speed metal, whatever you want. It's that, that's not the kind of thing that, that gets me all, uh, um, you know, all amped up. It's well, it's not really amped up. Like you're, you know, ready to go. Uh, play, you know, go racing, but <laughs> just like it makes me want to drive into a wall. Um, anyway, thank you so much for being here. We um, have had a couple of racers on the show, so that was uh, that was good stuff. And uh, you know, the, the uh, his wife's family, the Force family, uh, have raced a lot over at uh, Mile High Nationals here on the west side of Denver, and it's always a unique race because they have a hard time with the altitude, the thinner air, and um, usually the pretty warm temperatures, uh, to deal with how they're going to mix the air and fuel. And so it's always unique for them to come out here to Colorado and try to, uh, figure out those drag races and how to win over there. So, uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was great. That was good stuff. Appreciate it very much. Uh, so I'm heading to uh, Daytona beach. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, maybe I'll do some racing on Daytona beach where they, used to do some uh, racing, uh, drag racing and other racing on uh, Daytona Beach. So that might, no, it probably won't work out well for me, I don't think. Uh, all right, anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to contact me, of course, the number is 303-832-0217. Uh, you can contact me right there or on any of the contact links that are here on the old program uh, in the description of this show. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luper, the traffic guy. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.